Hello, you are listening to the Batfans podcast brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Enjoy the show. Why should the audience... Yeah, sorry, can you guys hear my son? <laughs> he wants me to go and picture of Batman. See, I'm teaching him early. Was he uh, playing like I... a flute or something? Uh, could you hear that? I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he, he was playing on his little toy down there. Um, uh, it wasn't a flute. He's not quite the flautist. Oh. He's going to. Uh, uh, anyway, so, um, he's not quite the flautist just yet. What's up, everybody? You're listening to a very special Bat Fans podcast where we're going to be going into discussion of The Dark Knight Rises, which is just open. And I'm sure, like most everyone who's seen it, is anticipating the discussion about it with all the different things that happened in the movie and just the theories and expectations that we had for it. So it's going to be a good discussion. So joining me for it's going to be, as usual, Dane. What's up, Dane? Hey, it's Tim. So finally it's here. Yeah. yeah, I know we've finally seen it after all of this. After four years, we've finally seen it. In fact, sitting down in the theater and just watching that opening scene is like, I can't believe I'm watching this. <laughs> yeah, just even in the theater, like, I can't believe I'm in the theater for The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also joining us is a special guest uh, with the man simply known as Kroz. <laughs> How's it going, Kroz? <laughs> I'm good. You can call me by my real name. It's cool. I Cross uh, is fine, but uh, Brian Crosby is my name, so like, you can call me whatever you want. Cross just sounds cooler, so we'll go with that. All right, I'll own it. That's cool. All right, and before we go into the full discussion of the movie, we're just going to throw out this is it is going to be spoiler heavy. We're going to talk about everything in the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to hold off on listening to the podcast till after you've seen the movie. So here we go. Do you think there's any Bat fan out there that hasn't seen it yet? I'm sure there is, yeah. yeah. I mean, how yeah. can you really call yourself a Bat fan and listen to the Bat Fans podcast if you haven't seen it? <laughs> That's a good you've point. Now ha- you've had three days. Let's go. <laughs> true. You've <laughs> been true. waiting three years. <laughs> at least I would hope it's the opening weekend, at the very least. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to wait a week or two, then, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if you should call yourself a Bat fan, if that's the case. Anyway, so to start off, I just want to go ahead and and talk about our general first impressions after the movie ended, the credits rolled, what our initial thoughts were. So I um, we'll go ahead and start with you, Cross. Uh, well, you know, I think I, I loved it. I thought I thought it was great. You know, it was it was definitely epic in scale. Uh, you know, and it, it it's but it was definitely a bittersweet moment. And it was kind of like I knew that once it, you know, once you start to hear, you know, Commissioner Gordon monologuing, you go, well, okay, it's starting to wrap up. You know, it's time, it's, it's about the end of the movie. And it was that, that bittersweet feeling of, you know, wow, that was really fun. That was a great ride, but it's about to end. And then it's, it's over. And who knows, you know, when we're going to get another Batman movie. Um, but I, you know, I thought it was great. Um, I could talk, you know, I don't know if we want to get into, you know, the pros and cons and things we didn't like just yet, but, 
overall, I, I thought, I thought it was fantastic. I thought, you know, he, he delivered on, on what he said, and when I say he, I mean Christopher Nolan, what he said he was, uh, intending to do, that he was wrapping up, uh, Bruce Wayne's story. You know, I don't know that it's the, the definitive take on, on Bruce Wayne's story in, in my personal opinion. Um, but it is a, a take on, on, on how Bruce Wayne would end. Because, I mean, there's been so many uh, versions of, you know, how, how it all ends for Bruce Wayne. I mean, we've seen Batman Beyond and things like that where you go, okay, he never really lets go of the mantle. You know, um, he just kind of ends up a curmudgeon. And this one, it was more of a happy ending for Bruce Wayne. So it was, it was, it was you know, it was, it was satisfying. Cool. How about you, Dave? What was your initial reaction once the credits start rolling? Honestly, I was in shock that, I mean, for one thing, that it ended, and, and secondly, you know, just trying to process all that information, because there's a lot of information in this movie with all the characters and all the stories, and, and of course, the ending, which, had, which was multi-layered, and I was just shocked and wowed at the end of it, and... I don't think I said anything at the end of the movie. I was just trying to process process it through my mind, and I loved it. Oh, nice. Yeah, and do we want to talk about the ending right now? Well, before we go into that, just my general impression after it was over. Oh. It was, like, I felt it was good. I really liked it. But at the same time, it could, I just felt, maybe because I've heard so many so much build up to it from reviews from a lot of fans and people that I've known who are big Batman fans who've seen it already saying that it's the top the Dark Knight he did the impossible and for me personally I don't think it did I still think the Dark Knight is still the best Batman movie there is out there but saying that the Dark Knight Rises I thought was a the perfect ending to Nolan's trilogy I mean as soon as the whole ending sequence started and it was over I thought okay that was probably the best way to end this the series that Nolan did, so I was more than happy with how it concluded. So even though it may not have been as good as The Dark Knight to me, it's still a fitting end to the movie, and still a really good movie too. But I also think it's one of those movies where once you see it again and a few more times, kind of like you said, Dane, there's a lot to process <laughs> after seeing it. I think it's going to be more enjoyable the more I see it anyway. Yeah, I mean, so for you, Tim, I mean, where do you where do you place The Dark Knight Rises in the in the trilogy? Like you said, Dark Knight to you is still number one, and I, I would agree with you. But so, where does it sit? And yeah, order? I'm still not certain on that because right now I'm still leaning towards Batman Begins being number two. But I think the more I think about the Dark Knight Rises, the more I start l- liking what I saw more and more. So I think once I do see it again, because I only seen it once so far, it's going to be. I think it might actually move to number two. We'll see. But right now, it's probably my third favorite. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, you know, when I, having watched them all in that, you know, I sat through the, the IMAX marathon, watched all three of them again, which was great and kind of, you know, nice to see them all, you know, packed together like that. Um, for me, it was, yeah, it, it sat, it still sits at the third, I mean, it's fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I, I would still put The Dark Knight at number two and, uh, Batman Begins at number one. Uh, and then this one at number three. And I, I just, cause I, Batman Begins to me was so amazing and so epic and it was just really a perfect movie. And the way it ended, you know, it was, you know, it was like just left you wanting more. And, and, uh, I felt like in, in three, there were definitely some, um, there were more, uh, cr- there was more creative license taken with the Batman mythos than I probably would have liked. Um, but that's just me personally. Um, 
you know, whereas the other ones, I mean, you can kind of look at the core characters. You look at, you know, Batman and Joker and uh, Toothpaste and Scarecrow and, you know, all the heavy head, the heavy hitters of the trilogy. You know, they're, they're slight deviations from the origin stories that we know in the comic books. But in this one, you know, it, the, the deviations were pretty, pretty heavy. And you look at the exception of Catwoman, but you look, you know, you look, you look at Bane, you look at uh, Miranda Tate slash Talia, spoiler alert. Um, and you look at, you know, John Blake. I mean, these are, John Blake being a completely new character and, uh, you know, I mean, the nod to, to Robin was great, but, I, but it's not the, it's not Robin, you know, so it's, it, he's becoming a different character. So it's, there's definitely yeah, but more I, license I, taken here. I, I couldn't help but feel that the John Blake character had the uh, characteristics of Tim and Dick. Yeah, not the same thing. But yeah. Even before they made that reveal, usually, uh, I would say that moment where he first confronts Bruce and he's talking about how he knew he was Batman. Right yeah. when he said that to me, I thought of Tim Drake right away, how we yeah, kind exactly. of figured yeah. out how his identity. <laughs> and then just throughout the movie, certain things, you go, I pretty much thought, okay, they're not probably going to say Robin, but for me anyway, I kind of knew to myself that he pretty much was the essence of the character helping Bruce out and helping out a different way like Robin would, but even though he wasn't called Robin. But at the end, when they actually referenced Robin, <laughs> I thought that was the greatest thing. I kind of geeked out there. Me and everyone in the audience started cheering or clapping for it. It was great. I wasn't expecting it, too, which made it even better for me. And that, I think that was the – that was a, a really – that was a huge moment, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and it was kind of what we were all looking for that character to be. We all, you know, is he going to be Dick Grayson? Is he going to be Tim Drake? Turned out to be none of those, but like you said, kind of a hybrid of, of a lot of all the Robins. Um, and then he, you know, when, when actually they revealed that his name is Robin, and his name is Robin John Blake, it's definitely a new character. It's a different take on the on the mythos entirely. But he was, yeah, I, I think he was, you know, kind of the star of the film in many ways. I mean, he he was really engaging to watch and kind of watching his story unfold was really interesting. And, and I love the moment when you know when he's actually he sees Batman taking out a group of thugs and it was like the first time he had seen Batman up close doing his thing. And he just kind of stood there like all of us would as fanboys, right? Yeah. Just watching Batman take these guys out and just, he just stopped and was like in absolute awe. And then when he had, when Bruce has that moment where he tells him, you know, if you're going to fight alone, you know, you need to wear a mask. He's like, I'm not afraid to stand up to these guys. And the mask is not for you. It's to protect those you love. And I was like, I was like, we're getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> then, I, then you're starting to look at your watch going, there's not enough time for him to put on the suit in this movie. You know? Yeah, that was a great moment when Batman told him that. Like, well, just exactly what you said, Cross. I thought the same thing. <laughs> and, and even though he's not, he isn't, you know, one of the, one of the Robins per se, um, I'm really interested in his story and, you know, I would love to see the continuation of that and, you know, where it goes from there, if, even if it's not on film, even if it, you know, if DC says, hey, we're going to do a, a graphic novel, you know, and get some amazing, you know, uh, an amazing creative team and the blessing of Christopher Nolan and kind of tell us the John Blake story. You know, I'm looking, you know, mark my words, I'm going to say it here first in the Fat Fans podcast, DC is going to introduce John Blake into the mythos. I don't know how. But that name will not is going to come back somehow. I don't know how. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say, too. <laughs> I would agree with that. So um, I guess we can go into the general I guess, story and the plot of the movie. I'm not sure how much you guys... I know, Dan, you try to stay away from most of the spoilers, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I think we all... Last week. <laughs> yeah. Which was, thankfully, we made it through, because not knowing what was going how that ending sequence played out was great, <laughs> seeing it for the first time that way. But uh, for the overall plot of the movie and the, how the story unfolded, how, did, how was your reaction to that as far as, was it what you expected or did you enjoy it or were certain things about it not what you expected? So for the overall story, what did you think? Uh, no, I thought it was great. I thought, you know, the, uh, there was, I, I loved all the ties back into Batman Begins. And those were some, you know, some of the things that, uh, had been said, you know, by Gary Oldman even, you know, talking about the script and how this, this story really brings Bruce Wayne's, you know, story full circle. You know, all the ties back to, uh, Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul, however you want to pronounce it. But Ra's al Ghul in this trilogy, right? And so, you know, the ties to him and, you know, having Bane be a part of the League of Shadows and even, you know, having, uh, Talia appear in the movie, I thought it was, it was you know, every element, there wasn't, there wasn't an element that didn't need to be there. You know, even Catwoman and, you know, some of the, you know, the conversation after the movie was whether, whether Catwoman really needed to be in this movie. And my thing is that she did. And only because it, it, it really got, it got Bruce to where he needed to be at the end of the movie, right? You know, at the very end when we, the reveal that he, you know, at the diner and there's Alfred and the reveal that he is happy and he has, found happiness with Selena Kyle, um, she needed to be there for that because, there, you know, was it going to be Miranda Tate? And, of course, it turned out not to be. So I think every character served a purpose in this. You know, even John Blake, beyond the, the cool Robin reference, you know, the, the notion that was introduced in Batman Begins that the whole reason Bruce became Batman was because he could be everlasting, he could be immortal by taking on this symbol. And that even if he dies somebody else can carry this on, much like, you know, Ra's al Ghul, you know, that somebody can carry on that mantle. And uh, and so to have introduced John Blake and to have Bruce kind of processing all of this, uh, seeing that here's a young guy who, you know, is uh, willing to work outside the system and is tired of the, the, the corruption and wants to be something more, that he can hand, he can pass the baton on to this guy and I feel like he can he can step back, and I, so I thought every every character was great. Every character served a, a great uh, a great purpose in in making Bruce's story complete for Nolan's trilogy. So I, I think it was it was well written, definitely well written, and great lines uh, you know across the board. Which Bane had some of the best lines. If you go back, I mean he had some really great one-liners in there, which were really fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. commenting on the kid's voice singing the national anthem that was hilarious <laughs> what a lovely lovely voice <laughs> yeah for me um going into it i kind of figured that um the plot was mainly going to revolve around the league of shadows and Rachel Ghoul again mainly because everyone kept saying that it is going to come full circle with batman begins so they kind of put that out there already but um for the most part yeah i was pretty much happy with how the story um the basic plot of the story and how it all wrapped up. But there were certain things that I don't, I don't want to say disappointed with, but maybe were played out a little differently. You know, that First off, the concept of Bruce being gone eight years 
and then having to come back, but then at the very end, he's he decides to quit again. Uh, for some reason, I, I think it works for the most part, but part of me kind of thinks if it maybe would have played out a little better if he never gave up being Batman for that long. Maybe it, didn't, maybe it took place a little sooner to, to the Dark Knight than eight years where he didn't give up being Batman. Maybe kind of working in secret more than so than usual where he's not noticed as much. It seems kind of an arbitrary number to me. It's like, you know, I mean, when 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 I first heard that, that it was going to be eight years later, you know, like every other fan, we started to speculate why. You know, why why is this ten years later? Oh, it's because now Barbara Gordon's going to be the right age to become Batgirl. I mean, all these all these ideas, right, about, you know, why does it need to be taking place later? And there didn't really seem to be any real reason other than, you know, something's happened to, you know, Bruce's, you know, that they've been living with this lie, essentially. But it seemed it seemed kind of strange to me that that Bruce had given up on being Batman. You know, I mean, we knew from the end of The Dark Knight that he was on the run, you know, but that's, you know, that's really, I, I, that didn't, that, I don't see why that would be a deterrent from him being Batman. Yeah, because for me, kind of probably the biggest, or one of the big disappointments, I guess from the overall Nolan trilogy for me now is that he was, Bruce Wayne was pretty much Batman for a very short amount of time. It's really, yeah. from Batman Begins to Dark Knight was about a year, maybe a little more, and that's it. And then he comes back just a few more times The Dark Knight Rises. So, Bruce Wayne was only Batman for a very short amount of time, and if uh, how it ended, where John Blake is going to take over, I don't know if as Batman or maybe as Nightwing, but he'll probably be have a longer career as a crime fighter than Bruce Wayne did. Which, when yeah. thinking about that, is kind of probably one of the big disappointments I have with the overall Nolan Batman story. Just that uh, Bruce Wayne was so great as Batman in the movies, but just for a short amount of time, just makes it a little disappointing. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I think it would have if he had been Batman all along. Yeah. Then it, it would have felt like a more satisfying end to the to Bruce's story. You go, okay, he's been Batman now for ten years or whatever, right? You know, you go, that's a, that's a long time, you know, and he's he's pretty beaten up. Yeah. You know, and I would get that, but or maybe just, maybe even have it still take place eight years after the Dark Knight, and maybe just have some. Or where they mentioned maybe he hasn't been Batman for the last year or so, but during like the seven years he was still Batman. Just recently he started. He hasn't been Batman. hasn't shown his face out in the public for a while. Something like that. Right. Just so he has yeah. that longer legacy, I guess. Well, it was peacetime after the Dark Knight and Fool's eight years. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So there would be that. no need for Batman. And I think I think Bruce even said that when he was talking to Gordon. In the hospital. That's true too. I mean, it, it does make sense when you say it like that for the story. I think it's mainly for more like just a fan's perspective of knowing yeah. he's with Batman for sh- such a short amount of time. And just another thing that gets me too is that line Joker said at the end of The Dark Knight, where he says, "You and I are destined to do this forever." I mean, right when I heard that when I first saw the movie, oh, that's awesome! I mean, because you know the Joker and Batman battle is just going to keep going on and on. But now it's it was just that one encounter that they had, and that was it. Which, like I yeah, said, no, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, right. I mean, because in 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 my mind, even even if even if it is peacetime, and I get your point, you know that it is, you know, the the dent act and all that. But, but Bruce needs Batman as much as Gotham needs Batman. Yeah, that that's him. And so for him to walk away from that, you know, it, I don't know. It seems a little uncharacteristic or a little out of character, I should say, of, of Bruce Wayne. 
because he just hung it up and was doing whatever for eight, year, eight years, just hanging out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just hanging out. He's just hanging out in Wayne Manor. <laughs> he became a recluse in Wayne Manor. And he busted his but, knee, but, falling down the stairs. You know, who knows yeah. what happened. <laughs> but it kind of makes sense that, you know, after the Dark Knight, um, Gotham didn't need Batman anymore, so Bruce hung up the cowl, and his life was empty after that. You know, he became a recluse. He didn't go out of Wayne Manor. He was essentially stuck in a time period. And just acquiring Batman again in this movie, he's able to move his story forward. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, yeah. There's... I, I mean, I can see your guys, I, I can see your point, but I, I, I just saw it differently is all. And see, I, I think there's, it's, it's different for everybody, right? I mean, that, and that's the hard part with doing a movie like this. Yeah. Is why you're going to end the story. You're going to end Bruce Wayne's story. And, and we've all seen that differently in our in our in our mind's eye, you know, that the way this all ends for for Bruce. And in in my personal opinion, I, I just to me he's Batman as long as he physically can be Batman, and and then he either he passes it on to you know like a Batman Beyond type story, or or he just dies, you know, and 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 Batman goes away. You know, I I don't know. It's it's really hard to to say. You know, this is this is how it happens. This is the definitive uh, Batman trilogy, and I and so that's why I'm, I'm interested to you know talk to you guys and other Bat fans that you know that if for you is this the definitive Batman story, or is there more story that you'd like to see be told? Yeah, for me personally, I mean, as far as movies go, definitely yeah. But as far as everything Batman, not for me. It's not my definitive Batman story that I would prefer. I mean, as great as it is, I think mine's still... I'm always going to be biased towards um, the animated series Batman Universe. That's going to always be my favorite so interpretation. That's your, that's, your, that's your Batman. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, see, I think, I think it's, a lot of it is, is kind of when you grew up, too. You know, like, you know, what, what, what is your... Ba- or almost kind of what was your first exposure to Batman? <clears throat> you know, for me, Batman 89 will always hold a special place in my heart, because I, mean, I was I was 12 years old when I saw that Batman, and up to that point, you know, we'd only had you know the 60s series and Super Friends and you know things like that. So Batman had such a light-hearted tone to it um, that it was you know it was the Cape Crusaders, it was the dynamic duo, and that was Batman. And then when Batman '89 came out, and it was like the black suit and this gothic you know uh, version of Gotham City and Jack Nicholson's over-the-top, you know, Joker. So for me, the Batman 89, that was my Batman. And, and so I always, I have, you know, fond memories of that. That said, when I saw Batman Begins, I was like, wow, that's, that's Batman. Like, they, he, they got yeah. it. Like, that's Bruce Wayne, and that's Bruce Wayne. You know, that's, the, that's the side of Bruce we never got to see, even in Batman 89. The, all the training and everything he went, to, went through to become, you know, who he, who he becomes. And so, you know, I've heard a lot of comparisons, you know, looking at this trilogy as a whole, a lot of comparisons to the Star Wars trilogy, where, you know, a lot of people say the Empire Strikes Back is the best mm. of the Star Wars trilogy, and go, okay, the second one of this one, that, the Dark Knight is the best one, and then Batman Begins, and then Dark Knight Rises. I guess that's totally subjective, being you're entitled, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was really, after I saw the third one, 
I can't say that that was my that was that wasn't my Batman. That's just me. You know, cause my Batman eventually does have a Robin and it's yeah. <laughs> Dick Grayson, right? And so it's I think it's just it's just different for everyone. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it great too. Like everyone, there's so many different versions of Batman that you can have your favorite while you still enjoy these other interpretations, which is great. Yeah, there is no wrong answer. I think, I think we've I've talked about you talked about this with you guys before. I think we, um, last time we we chatted, we were we were, it was the end of uh, uh, Brave and the Bold. Yeah, that's right. And we were having a pretty similar discussion where it was like, okay, is this is this your Batman? <laughs> you know. <laughs> And if it is, you know, that's awesome. That you know, that's there's a, there's a Batman for everybody. I think for for a lot of um, people, especially you know, for for so many that this is kind of their first intro to the character, this is going to be their Batman for a long time. Um, I think I think for me, you know, I, I look at like the Arkham City games, you know, and again, there's some character designs I do differently, but you know. I really, I, I like more, that feels to me more like, that's my, more closer to my, my take, my version of Batman, and I think more of that has to do with just my affinity for the comic books, and wanting to see a lot of those characters play out, and I would have loved to see John, John Blake, instead of revealing that his name was Robin, I would love to have seen that he changed his name from uh, Richard Grayson. That would have been a bigger geek out moment for me. Yeah, I think the only reason they chose to actually say Robin just for, like, so the vast majority of audiences who are familiar with the real names of Robin, they would get the point of who he was supposed to be, so they had to say the actual name Robin in there, just so everyone will know yeah, what his, par- his character was supposed people. to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I get it. Yeah, I, I get why they why they chose that. But I'm just saying, for me personally, that would have been a fun... I, I would have gotten more out of that if you go, okay... Dick Grayson is a part of your universe. Yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, and there is a whole child, you know, whether, you know, whatever happened to him before, you know, we could, we may never find out. So, I, so can I ask you guys another question? <laughs> but just thinking about the, the final diner scene, did you like the way that played out? That there's, there's Bruce at the diner and he's with Selena? Yeah, because, like I said before, I think Bruce Wayne as a character and as a person was stuck, um, you know, kind of like stuck in a time, in a time period. And he wasn't moving forward. And uh, Alfred did a good job of pointing that out to him. But Bruce was denying it. And I felt that that end scene was Bruce moving on with his life and, mm-hmm. and you know, becoming greater than Batman in a sense that he he's improving himself more than anything and I, I just I just love that scene and just to know that Bruce put down the call and he's moving on with his life is something totally different that we've never seen before and it worked perfectly for me yeah I loved it too that was, yeah, that was great scene. I was actually surprised the, the only reason I asked is I was surprised you know, just given who Christopher Nolan is and how much, you know, he loves to leave us hanging. You know, I mean, you think back to, like, Inception, and yeah. there, was the, there was the debate on, what, on you know, the whole ending of that film. I thought what was going to happen is Alfred was going to sit down, and he was going to look up, and he was going to nod and cut to black. I didn't think they'd actually show Bruce sitting there. Yeah, that's why I thought it was great, too. I thought the same thing. 
like they're just going to show Alfred looking. Maybe you see the back of his head or something, but they don't actually reveal who it is. But once you see yeah. that, it's Selena. <laughs> he just nods. Good. He's looking at the camera and just nods. Yeah. Because we, we all knew what that meant. You know, and I, we all would have screamed, and there would have been endless debate on whether you <laughs> saw who's actually sitting in that diner. I've actually, I've actually read too it's on some forums. People say, "Oh, it's actually just part of Alfred's imagination. He's 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 wanting to see Bruce there." But you get the That's line bogus. from you get yeah. the line from Bruce Fox saying that the autopilot was fixed on the bat, so that takes care of it right there. You know, it is Bruce. Yeah, totally. But no, so, yeah. so in that in that same vein, what do you think about Bruce and Selena being together? No, I thought it's perfect. I mean, Catwoman. I mean, Bruce has all these different love interests. Catwoman. Talia and others, but if he end up being with anybody, it would be Catwoman. So it was great to have him be with her at the end because yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> he's, he's, she's really you know. There's always you know, been the the talk forever in the in the comics and amongst the fans, whether it's Selena or Talia that he should end up with. And I've always felt like Selena was his his polar opposite, his yeah. kindred spirit. And that if he was ever going to hang it up and settle down, you know, that it would be Selena. Yep. Now, the, the problem Bruce is going to have moving forward is the same problem he had in Batman Begins. You know, eventually somebody's going to knock on his doorstep and go, or knock on his door and say, hey, aren't you Bruce Wayne? You know I mean? <laughs> He's supposed to be dead, right? And so, uh, you know, Descartes, you know, shows up in the prison cell and says, you have to go however many miles to find somebody who wouldn't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting this wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He, 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 you know, it would be almost impossible for him to completely remain in hiding and go somewhere where Bruce Wayne wouldn't he wouldn't be recognized. Yeah. And so there he is sitting in the diner <laughs> in the middle of the day. Eventually, somebody's going to recognize that he's Bruce Wayne, and I guess that's a story for another day. But. Uh, that, yeah. that immediately came to mind. Like, eventually, he's going to get noticed. <laughs> Definitely. The, the problem I, I had was, how did how did Bruce jump out of the bat well, he did before go, the bomb exploded? He did go a long way. They didn't, they didn't show every single shot. I mean, they showed different shots. Yeah, but it had a six-mile radius, the bomb. Oh. So maybe it, it was Alfred's imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He, he figured it out a way. Maybe there was a secret. He's Batman. Part. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of that, when that happened, I mean, I don't know if you remember, Dana, on the last podcast, I said, how lame would it be if the way Batman died was he goes flying off in the bat and it blows up, but that's all <laughs> we see. Right. Like, what did that happen? Like, no, that's did you really say that? Yeah, I did say that. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. The other thing, too, Tim, is remember... Uh, I said we should start a rumor, a bat fan's rumor, that Bane is really a woman. <laughs> it's kind of right, oh, because you're under the, the assumption <laughs> that <That's true. laughs> the, the kid was Bane. It's Talia. <laughs> See, I was kind of right. Right, Tim? <laughs> right, Cross? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no yeah, no you, rumor is too crazy. <laughs> you, you guys had it all figured out. <laughs> Bane's a woman, and Batman blew himself up in the sunset. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, right when that happened, I kept thinking to myself, oh, no, this isn't how it's going to be. Uh, but then, especially when you have the, the funeral scene, 
with Gordon. And when, I mean, how great was that part with the part Michael Caine did with Alfred in that scene, apologizing to Thomas and Martha Wayne? Oh, so heartbreaking. Yeah. When uh, when he's saying that, like, oh man, this is it is probably it. That's it for Bruce. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that scene in Begins when uh, Alfred is hugging Bruce and he's saying it's not his fault. Yeah. It's like, oh my heart. Yeah, it was <laughs> such. It would have been such a down, like, it would have ended on such a downer on that note if that's how it all wrapped up. That was the last thing. The only thing I can think of is when, you know, in that funeral sequence, and you're actually sitting there in the theater looking at his at his tombstone, all I could think of was he, he did it. Like, Christopher Nolan did it, you know, and he killed him. It's like the one thing that I never thought anyone would do, kill Batman in a movie, he did it. And then he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, right when they sh- at that cafe scene when they showed Bruce Wayne, I had the biggest smile on my face. Like, no, he, okay, he's still out there. <laughs> he didn't go out in the lame way as far as just exploding in the bat. <laughs> so I guess uh, we covered Batman pretty much in the movie. Uh, so we want to talk about Catwoman and as you guys think of her performance of Anne Hathaway and just her overall character arc in the movie. For me personally, I thought she did a great job. I mean. If I had a complaint about it, it was that maybe she wasn't in it enough. And the sequences with her and Batman and their dialogue and interaction together, I thought was perfect. It captured the batman Selina Kyle relationship essence that we know and love from the comics and even the animated series. I mean, I just thought that they both did a great job and just wish there was more of it in the movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think she was fantastic. And, I mean, she's a, she's a great actress. I mean, she's in, you know, she's in... She's been great in 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 her other movies, and uh, you know Christopher Nolan is a he's an actor's director, and I knew that we'd get something unique and interesting out of her, and I thought she was great. You know, uh, I think she she falls in line with some of the great you know Catwomen. You know, you go back to Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Lee Merriweather, and oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Halle Berry. <laughs> no, no, not that one. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, who's the other one from the 60s series? I'm drawing a blank, guys. Julie Newmar? Thank you, Julie <laughs> Newmar. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought she was, I thought she was great. I loved, you know, the way her, the way she used, uh, that serrated edge on her heel to pin the guy's arm up yeah. on the wall, um, and that she really used it as a weapon. Um, and I, she didn't need a lot of explanation. I thought she was, um, she was handled very well. Yeah, for me, I think she's, Surpasses all the other previous Catwoman. I think she's the best. Well, I don't know. I I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer's tough to top for me, but uh, but I think her story was better. I like. Yeah. You know, I I I never liked the the story of the Michelle Pfeiffer. The whole she fell out of a, you know a window and got back to life by magical yeah, power. <laughs> that was always stupid. But uh, but so I definitely thought he got her story much more <clears throat> in line with how you know a lot of us have perceived her story to be. But I think she's right there with Michelle Pfeiffer. I, 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 you know, I thought both of them were great. So. How about you, Dave? I pretty much echo what you guys say. <laughs> My hat goes off to Christopher Nolan for taking such a huge character and that has such a, uh, a huge backstory and stuff, and you know, completing her story in one movie. That's pretty much the only thing I get. I, re- I really love that. And, and I like how she, uh, how um, Anne Hathaway kind of had that Michelle Pfeiffer thing where she's sassy, that sassy, sexy thing. Um, and But then she had that serious darker t- to her. I just, 
love that. Yeah, she was great. I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, uh, Tam. I would have loved to have just seen more. You know, she spent a good chunk of the film in in jail, so it would have been nice to see uh, see more of her. Now, here's the thing I want to ask you guys: um, Would you think it would maybe been a better story-wise decision to have the main like story and plot of the movie focus on a Batman Catwoman relationship? more so than, like, the League of Shadows and Bane and Talia coming to finish the mission of Rachel Ghoul. You think that would make for a better movie, or story-wise? No. Because it would have just been, like, well, maybe I shouldn't make that comparison with Batman Forever, but <laughs> I, I think it would have slowed the story down, especially for, the, like, the action fans that want to see, you know, Bane blow up, you know, the the stock exchange and, exchange and blow up the stadium and stuff. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I and typically I, you know, I I would I favor more the the one villain approach. Um, but I don't know if that if that works with Catwoman, and especially at this point of the the series where you know they're trying to wrap it up. Um, I just don't think that she would she doesn't bring the the epic nature to the story that I think this story was calling for. You know, where Bane was he was a terrorist. And he was taking down all of Gotham City, and he was bringing it. <clears throat> excuse me, was bringing it full circle back to what you know, uh, you know, Rachel Gould was trying to you know uh, do in the first film. You know, it was, it was the League of Shadows' mission was to take down Gotham City, and um, I don't. That's not Catwoman's thing. You know, she's a she's a cat burglar, and she has a great you know you know relationship you know happening with with Bruce Wayne. Batman, but I don't think it by itself. I don't know if that. Has, I don't know if there's enough there to to carry a whole movie. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, yeah, I'd agree with that. But um, you brought up a good point about the whole two villains thing, and I think Nolan, for all three of the movies, he did a perfect job as far as having more than one villain in each movie and not having it seem too cluttered or where one's in it more than the other and the other doesn't matter. I mean, especially, especially in the Dark Knight, Joker and Two Face were done perfectly in that. And just for all three of them, you never got that sense like you do in other movies, like Spider-Man Three or the Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, where it's just that villain team up at the end. They have a separate agenda, then at the end they team up together to try to be Batman. But no, these ones are the Nolan movies done in such a more creative way to making making it work where more than one villain is in the movie. So. And, and I think you know where what he really had going for him in this one is that. He wasn't telling an origin story of either of them. Yeah. You know, bo- both of them have been around. You know, you know, you get the impression at one point when, when Catwoman discovers the Batman's back that she, you know, kind of like in the comics where she was kind of inspired by him, you know, to become what she became. And so you kind of get this impression like she was waiting and anxious for him to, to come back and be Batman or to, to show up again in Gotham City. Um, and then Bane has seemingly been kind of, he's been around for a long time too. I mean, he's dates back to the League of Shadows and he was, people were aware of him already. Um, so he wasn't dealing with origin. And, you know, and, and Bane, having Bane in the story was such a, a really interesting choice and I think a lot, one that a lot of us debated, you know, in the, in fandom on, you know, cause I think a lot of us were expecting, you know, Riddler or Penguin or something like that. One of the more, you know, kind of the core Batman villains. Um, and, but Bane presents this physical uh, challenge to Batman that he hasn't had yet. Nobody has been able to compete with him physically. You know, I mean, you know, Raish could, Raish to a certain extent, 
but only because he was training him, you know, and but then eventually he was defeated. And then in in, in The Dark Knight, you know, Joker's not a challenge for yeah. him. Joker's a challenge for him because Joker he doesn't he doesn't understand the Joker, he doesn't understand his motives. He purely just you know, like they say, just wants to watch the world burn. And this is a criminal that he doesn't really get. You know, and then and so now in in this one, like this is a villain who can actually is superior to him physically. You know, and both times they fought, I mean Batman kinda of started to get the better of him a little bit, but you know, ultimately Bane was the one standing up on top. And oh by the way, awesome that he broke his back. Oh man, that was amazing. <laughs> I squealed like a little girl. I was I was so excited. I was like, yeah, he did it. I, I was shocked that he did. I mean, we all assumed that he was gonna beat Batman, like beat him up, but the fact that he lifted him up, broke his back on his knee, just like straight out of that nightfall page, is like, oh man, that was awesome. <laughs> like, you almost feel like like Chris Nolan's got this. Like, I would love to see his notes. Yeah. Like he. Like, he's got this checklist of things that he, he wants to have happen. You know, it's like, okay, we got to see Bane break back. Check. Uh, we need to uh, kill Batman. Check. Uh, we need to introduce, you know, it's like he's got this. And even in, the, in that last that last five to ten minutes of the movie was like the ultimate check-the-box mode, you know. Yeah. Like everything. Kill Batman. Uh, turn over the cave. Uh, get rid of all the assets. Uh, reveal that Bruce is still alive, and uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Check, 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 check. <laughs> and, oh, and kill Bane, and he ends up with Catwoman. It's just like all all these uh, things that we were kind of wondering would they happen? They happen. You know, the reveal of Talia, the reveal of John Blake, all these things. I, I thought, it's like, uh, I, I wish I had access to your secret files, Chris Nolan. <laughs> I don't know how awesome would that be. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I just I want to talk a little bit more about that whole Bane in general. But right now, this the whole that fight sequence that they had in the sewers. I mean, that was my most anticipated moment of the whole movie. And you know, Dan, I kept saying I just hope that's not a disappointment <laughs> where it's like you're not building it up in your head. Yeah, and it's only like thirty seconds. Exactly, like this little five punches at each other and that's it. <laughs> but no, yeah, that 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 fight was brutal. Yeah, it was Ugh. awesome. It, it it was almost a little hard to get through seeing just. Especially that part where Batman's on the ground and Bane is just pounding at the call. Yeah. It kind of dents it. Ugh. It's just so, yeah, but, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was, was there any, I don't recall there being any score. Like, there was no, no background music. No, there wasn't. I thought that was great. Just, and it was creepy. It was yeah. like, it was like the, the, the room just went silent. And you're just watching, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, watching your hero just get pummeled. Yeah, and also, yeah. too, you know that he's going all out, too, just because you've never really seen uh, Batman do that as far as, like, these growls and yells that he's ready to punch Bane. He was, like, he was giving everything he had, and it still wasn't enough. And I loved how, too, he was using all the different tricks that he has, his smoke pellets and the lights trying to sneak away in the dark, and Bane was <laughs> able to stop every move that he made. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, when he went, when he turned the room dark, another great line by Bane, he's like, You've adopted the dark, but I was born in it, or whatever he said exactly. Yeah, and he also, too, was referencing more lines from Batman Begins, which I thought was cool, when Rachel mm-hmm. was telling about the smoke pellets, how deception could be used, and Bane was just mocking him, like, saying all those things and still able to beat him. Yeah, and another great, you know, kind of a good change, you know, to Bane in, in having him be part of the League of Shadows is that he, he knows everything that Bruce has been taught. He knows, you know, he knows what he's dealing with, 
Yeah, just hearing him, just hearing him say the line that I will break you too is just great to hear. Also, <laughs> just oh, oh totally nightfall just line, total fan service. Yeah, you know when they're <laughs> all of us who who have read the comics are just super giddy when he says it, and no one else understands why. But yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because did, kind of... did, did it bother you guys that there was no uh, no venom? No, not at all. No, that that whole thing with the pain and how that plays into. Um, uh, Talia's story that we'll probably get to is was more than enough to replace the Venom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I surprisingly, I thought I would miss it, you know, if if it wasn't in there, uh, but I didn't. It, it, it just kind of it, it was it, it it flowed organically, you know. And even when you know in that first, I think there's a shot of Bane in the sewer, and his back is towards us when they first when they drag Commissioner Gordon in. Mm-hmm. And you see the the spinal you know scars, and yeah. I thought that I thought that was going to be foreshadowing it something along the lines of you know a venom type thing, but it never never you know, obviously you know the story it never didn't play out that way, but um, the spinal you know scars happened for a different reason, but uh, yeah, it really did. Yeah, it didn't it really didn't bother me. It. Yeah, I mean, right when they announced Bane was going to be in the movie, I was excited for it just to see. Nolan's take on it. At the same time, I kind of I wasn't getting my hopes up that we get a lot of Nightfall references. Him, but that's why I made it so better. It's so surprising for me to hear him say something like "I'll break you" and actually see him break his back like Nightfall. Like, I wasn't expecting that. It just made it even better. Oh yeah, when when Bruce was just writhing in agony on that bed because yeah. was, I mean you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not that you're not. I mean, you feel bad for Bruce, but at the same time, yeah, like, this is such an iconic thing. And you're looking around the theater, trying, to, looking for someone to enjoy this as much as you are <laughs> for why this is happening. His back is broken because it was like that in Nightfall and uh. <laughs> issue four ninety seven. So overall, uh, what was your guys' thoughts on the whole performance of Bane and his character arc for the movie? Was it satisfied to you, or did you wish there was a little more? Because for me personally, I thought for the most part Tom Hardy was great, but Part of me was kind of wishing that maybe we seen a little more of him, like have that personal vendetta against Bruce and Batman that he had in the comics. I mean, because in the movie he's kind of mainly just uh, trying to fulfill Raish and later Talia's will of destroying Gotham and then getting revenge on Bruce. But a step more, he was doing it for Talia, not for himself. And I guess the only other disappointing thing I would say, not disappointing, but for the most part, his voice I thought was good, but there were certain times I felt maybe with a little over the top, it just, I don't know, just some little out of his character that I know from the comics, but overall I thought it was really good. Just a few little complaints there for me, though. Yeah, overall I, I think I, I thought he was great. I thought Tom Hardy was, you know, physically imposing, and um, I thought the character was handled really well. I definitely, he was he was a terrifying character, and to the point where you don't, you know, how is this guy going to get beat? You know, he just you know, it doesn't seem to have any weaknesses, and uh, I thought he, I thought he was handled really well. You know, and just taking on the the notion of of, of terrorism is is really interesting, um, especially in our you know in our day and age. And uh, I thought he was handled. I, I enjoyed him, and it was it was a different take on Bane, but it didn't bother me. You know, I I, I liked him. I thought he was you know everything was very captivating. As for the voice, did you guys see the the uh, the prologue? Yeah. Okay, so that sequence, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but his voice sounded really pumped up. 
Oh yeah, this you time around. Definitely tell. I noticed that right away. You, you know, they definitely tweaked it. It was I, like obnoxiously loud. It was like, whoa! <laughs> like that's really different. Yeah, especially yeah, when you hear him say, "Oh, we tweaked it a little bit, but we were kind of happy with how it was." So I wasn't expecting a big change, but no, it was really pumped up. Like you said, you you could clearly hear everything it was saying. Yeah, you tweaked it a, a lot. Yeah. Liars. You know, it, it was it was really loud. And I was like, because I understood everything that was said in that sequence. And when I saw the prologue, you know, I hardly understood any of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I, the voice kind of grew on me after a while. It, it still, you know, it was a, like you said, uh, Tim, it was hard to understand at certain times. But uh, I think I just kind of got used to it after a while and um, it didn't really bother me too much. But he is definitely um, a Darth Vader-esque type villain, you know, kind of the man behind the mask, and, you know, this it's this thing that's keeping him alive, and the way to defeat him is to take that thing out, right? So yeah. uh, he, he definitely had a Vader-like laugh. Even, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, and I'm probably dating myself with this one, but uh, you guys remember <laughs> the Karate Kid? The yeah. movie The Karate Kid and John Cleese? You know the 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 guy who runs the Cobra Kai. Oh. How he always grabs his like his his gi with his two hands up by his neck and would walk walk around. Every time Bane did that, that's all I could think of was <laughs> with John Cleese from The Karate Kid. And I'm like, he just he has this swagger to him, just this this confidence, you know. And Bane had that right. Every time he he walked in the room, he knew he was the baddest dude in the room, and. uh no, I thought he was he was really a lot of fun to watch. Really cool. Anyway, so I'm probably dating myself with the Karate Kid reference. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm probably not too far behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Dane, with overall Tom Hardy's performance and Bane and just Bane in the movie in general? Bane had that sense where, well, for me anyway, kind of like the Joker, where every time he would appear on screen, you'd be like, okay, somebody's going to die. How is it going to happen? Something big is going to go down. And Bane had that same that same feeling because I think he killed somebody in every sing, single one of his scenes. And, you might be right. Yeah, and um, the the character is just scary. Every time he he came on the screen, I was just creeped out, and I knew something bad was going to happen. Especially to ca- characters that I care about, and Tom Hardy did an awesome job. I mean, he is Bane. But, and just his voice was creepy, and I, I like how it sounded really tinny, and it was hard to pin down that accent. What was that a- accent? It was League of Shadows accent. <laughs> League of Shadows accent. Is that the accent you get when you um, go into League of Shadows? But when you live in that um, pit, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because yeah, that guy, that doctor guy, had the same accent as Bane did, kind of. But um. Yeah, he's just a scary character that I don't ever want to meet in real life. And Tom Hardy did an awesome job. And I like how he played into Talia's story. I mean, yeah, we've seen that before where Bane is just a protector or, you know, in Batman and Robin's case, an idiot that's just there, that's just a piece of meat. Um, But there was more to the character. And I liked how they... They kind of connected Bane's story with Talia's with Roz's with the with the Lee Shadows and how that all played together and how Bane was excommunicated. I just loved all of that stuff, and 
like I said, it's just a great performance by Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah when because uh, I remember a lot of interviews and reading about Chris Nolan says our take is different on Bane. It's not how like, like how it was in the comics. But during the movie, I kept thinking, oh, they're doing a pretty good job because he was born in a prison in the comics, and he yeah. so far in this movie. But then when the whole twist came that the kid was actually Talia, I mean, it really didn't bother me at all because I think it worked pretty well in the movie. And there, I haven't actually read them, but I know there's stories where Bane did work with Rachel Ghoul and Talia in the comics where he, I think he was trying to, like, I think he was protector, but I think he was trying to be, like, the next heir, kind of what Bruce was supposed to be. But I'm not sure because I haven't read it. So I thought the twist worked, worked good in the movie where Talia was actually the one who was born in there and Bane was the protector in the prison. So I did like how that played out. So how did Bane get in there? That, that's what I'm. Yeah, wondering. it's still a mystery. So yeah, maybe he was born in there too. You never know. <laughs> See, that's kind of the the thing. You know, I was saying earlier about how you know they're really not getting an origin story of any of these guys. You know, it's we're kind of just we're we're catching up with them in the middle of whatever their story is. So we we never see Catwoman become Catwoman for the first time. We never see Bane. The first time the mask is put on his face, you know, we, there, there are none of those moments. Um, it was all, it, it was really, this was, you know, it was Bruce's story from from the, from day one, you know, with Batman Begins. You know, this is this has always been about Bruce, and yeah, and the, and the evolution of his character, and and all these other people that that come into the story are, they're just, you know, they're they're pieces of the puzzle, but it's never been their story, even Two Face. You know, or you know, even Harvey Dent. Even though he, you know, we did get a little, we did get his origin, but it was never about him. It was about what he did for Gotham, and whether there was any real need for Batman after once there's a once Harvey Dent is in town, once the White Knight shows up. You know, and that yeah, and that even played out even further in this one. Yeah, and you do have a point there, Cross, because just thinking back about the movie, um, Batman is hardly in it. It's it's more Bruce, yeah. Batman, because he's only a little se- in a little section where he, you know, unfortunately gets uh, beat up, and then he's at the end, and it it's it seems, it seems like he was only in three portions, like like you said, the two, yeah. and then just in the beginning where he fe- first meets up with Catwoman, and then he he's on the yeah, Batpod, right. which I don't know. For me, this is probably a maybe a minor complaint of it, but. I thought it was kind of a weak wait for have Batman's big return show up with just him riding on the Batpod. I don't know, just some, you needed a more dramatic like entrance to the public than that. It's probably a complaint that I don't know if you guys agree yeah. with, but it is something that I thought would have made it a little better if he had more of a like grand entrance or reappearance to the public than just showing up in the parking garage in the Batpod. Well, kind of kind of interesting that uh, that this is the only movie that doesn't have a Batmobile in it. Yeah. I was actually kind of surprised it. the bat showed up as early as it did. I was expecting it to be in the finale. Yeah, and you know that was another you know another thing that I I thought it was really set up. I felt like it was set up really well in the Dark Knight. You know, with Mister Reese having discovered that that Wayne Industries you know funds all of this stuff. You know, and that they're you know it's Lucius and 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 Wayne Industries that is basically providing all of the tech that Batman's using out on the streets. And I, you know, I felt like, well, there's a great opportunity to kind of introduce, you know, the bat motif, if you will, to all of these things. Like, you need, to, you can't just have take the exact item that's in your, in your closet and put it out on the street and not expect anyone in that company to, you know, someone's going to notice eventually. 
you know, that you're using the same stuff. Um, and so I thought, okay, this is where we're going to see the Batmotif come in. So like the, the fins or whatever on the Batmobile or on the Tumblr, you know, we'd see more of a, more of a modification of, of Batman's gear. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that it becomes more the, the traditional Batmobile instead of just the Tumblr. It, you know, it, it becomes, you know, anyway, that, that whole notion starts to get introduced. So I thought maybe we'd see some of that stuff. So I thought we'd see a new, a new fresh take on the Batmobile, but alas, no. Yeah, we we just had to settle for the bat. <laughs> but that's cool. Don't even all you know all the gear. You know everything is cool. You know the bat pod is cool. You know the bat is cool. Um, yeah, it's just you know it's just it's it's that's that's no one's it's no one's take on 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 the character. There's always a more realistic uh, look at it, and so that's it's just different. That's all. It's cool though. Yeah, but going back to your point, I, what you were saying, Dane, as far as Batman hardly being in it. I mean, I think probably yeah. if you were to time each movie as far as his appearances of how much Batman's actually in it, I think they'll probably end up being around the same, maybe the Dark Knight being more so than the other two, but it might end up being the same as Batman Begins as far as his appearance in the Dark Knight Rises. But did that yeah. bother you guys at all? Did you end up? Did you have that feeling, well, uh, it was great, but I just wish Batman was in it a little bit more? <laughs> no, I I loved it because, I mean, of course, thinking back on it, um, it it makes it more than just a, a random superhero movie like the Avengers or like Spider Man or like Green Lantern. It it's it, it's just more than a superhero movie, and this movie more than more than the others is a superhero movie without a superhero or a Batman movie without Batman. I mean, yeah, he, Batman's in the movie, but it it's Maybe I shouldn't say it's it's an afterthought, but it's kind of slightly put to the back burner, and it's more of a Bruce Wayne story. I think more than any Bruce Wayne comes full circle in this movie than Batman does. And yeah, no, well, it, it didn't. Yeah, it, it yeah. didn't. Yeah, it didn't bother me at all. But go ahead, Cross. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't bother me either because it was much like Batman Begins. You know, I, I don't know what the uh, what the exact time is that we actually see Batman for the first time. In the Dark Knight Rises, but I believe it's like an hour into the movie, and and Batman begins when we finally see him yeah. in costume, and he, you know, he says, "I'm Batman." Um, but uh, so I, I feel like it was more like that. But like you're like you're saying, Dane, this this really felt like it was it's Bruce Wayne's story, and uh, and Batman's not an afterthought. Batman's a, a piece of who he is, but it's not all of who he is. You know, there's yeah. there's more to him. Much like he was telling Catwoman. There's more to you, Selena, than this this facade and this mask that you wear. And I think that was what Christopher Nolan was trying to say that this is a this is a guy and he has he has emotions and he has feelings and there's more to him than just the suit he puts on and fights crime with. And he wanted to tell that story of the guy behind the mask. So that we really got to know him really well. And we got to know who he was and why he became Batman. We we saw his you know his personal demons that he struggled with in the Dark Knight and eventually you know his the, re- the resolution of his uh, of his story and what what ends up with him. So I think uh, you know it, the story the trilogy feels complete in that sense and that because it's not Batman's story it you know we don't need to see you know what happens with Batman for Christopher Nolan this was Bruce Wayne's story and he told that he told that. So um yeah from what you were saying about uh, 
how it didn't bother you guys that Batman wasn't in it as much as maybe he was in the other two, but I think how it worked for me is how it happened of why he wasn't Batman by Bane breaking his back and him getting that fix and getting back out of that pit. I think it, it worked good for me because just being a fan of the whole Nightfall story, you knew that he was going to be out of commission for a while because of that and then making his way back to becoming Batman again. So because it was kind of loosely based off that, I really didn't have a problem with it either. Of course, like any other fan, you would want to see more Batman, but like you guys said, it worked for the movie. So I don't think it's yeah, what, be an issue. And I, I thought once he went down, maybe we would see, you know, uh, John Blake try try something, even a maybe not necessarily a, a full-on, like, he finds his a cave or anything like that, but he might try some kind of rudimentary uh, crime-fighting suit that he would uh, put on, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the one thing I was disappointed with the character, I mean, I hate to be the one who's bringing up the negatives that I have with it, but <laughs> uh, was how Commissioner Gordon was in the movie. I mean, he's been great. I mean, he was great in this, but he was great in Batman Begins of the Dark Knight. I just felt he was a little underused in this one because he was mainly in the hospital for half the movie. <laughs> and we really didn't get to see him in action like we did in the other two. So, I mean, I just felt it missed that Bruce and Go- or that Batman Gordon relationship that they built so well in the first two. I mean, they really only had that ending sequence together, and I thought it was great how Bruce or Batman told him who he really was, or gave him the clue to figure it out, and then Gordon realized that he was Bruce Wayne. I thought it was great, but I just wish there was more of the Batman Gordon dynamic that we got in the first two. Well, and, to, the, to that to that point, you know, we we didn't have the the Bruce Gordon relationship, and we didn't have much of the the Bruce Alfred relationship. Yeah, that's another thing too. That was great, Alfred too, the beginning. Alfred was gone for most of the movie. Yeah, so I was shocked are, at that. Those are things that we've kind of become used to with Nolan, kind of the hallmarks of these movies so far, and uh, both of those things were pretty pretty removed, you know, in, in yeah. this one. It was interesting. Yeah, I mean, at least we got some good moments with Bruce and Alfred in the beginning. But with Gordon, there was pretty much nothing, and I just felt it was missing, especially in that hospital scene. That was to me, that felt a little out of place. Like, they were there, you just got those quick shots that we got in the trailer, the first season of the trailer, and that was it. I don't know about you guys, but um, I was kind of hoping for that moment, because part of the story was based off, you can tell it was based off No Man's Land. Yeah, you got definitely that, a little No Man's Land in that. Yeah, way. and you got that scene where, or that moment in No Man's Land where Bruce is having that conversation with Gordon after he was gone for a while, and he's about to reveal himself to him, but Gordon, Gordon wouldn't look at his face. I don't know, part yeah. of me was hoping for something like that when Bruce made his, or Batman made his appearance known to Gordon again. Yeah, no, no that's a good that's a good point. I forgot about that moment, but yeah, you're right. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, no one has, has done this all the way through. He's kind of, he's taken his favorite Batman, you know, stories, kind of the iconic ones, and, and picked pieces of them and, and put them together. I mean, you look at Batman Begins, and you, there's so much of Batman Year One in there, you know, and, and in this one felt like, um, uh, it was really kind of a hybrid between uh, The Dark Knight Returns. There was a little bit of Dark Knight Returns in there. There was a little bit of No Man's Land and a little bit of Nightfall. And it was kind of all of those things, you know, uh, packed in to one. Yeah, I was actually uh, kind of surprised we got a lot of those references in the movie. It's more so than the first two. Like you said, you had those references of Year One, Long Halloween. But I kind of wasn't, right. wasn't expecting that much for this one. But, yeah, we got a lot more so than I thought we would. Which yeah. is great. But not but not being that story, it, it exactly. wasn't it wasn't the nightfall story. 
that there was hallmarks of the Nightfall story yep. thrown together. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of felt, <laughs> I don't know, proud or vindicated that they used Nightfall story. Because I get, I always hear a lot of people hating Nightfall and doing just a gimmick, and then to see it adapted into the movie, it was kind of like, yes, yeah, it is. There is a lot of good points about that Nightfall story that makes for a good movie. So I was, for me personally, I was kind of happy we got those moments in there. Who's hating on Nightfall? How do you hate on Nightfall? I know a lot of different, like other Batman sites and forums that I see. A lot of people bag on. I don't know why, but because it's one you of my. You should get off of those forums. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking. <laughs> any of us who were who were collecting comics at that time, Nightfall was the talk of the industry. Yep, and everybody was into it. It was it was huge, and you know when when Bruce's back was broken and he was gone for so long, you know, and only to, to be replaced by by Jean Paul Valley and you know Azrael, and and when he became kind of the the Batman new Batman with the claws and he was a killer, you know, and it was like this is a it was a test of what kind of what kind of a hero is Batman and what makes him different from other characters like the Punisher and you know characters that. That you know are 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 vengeance driven, but kill you know they kill people, and the, the Batman has this moral code. And does society still respond to a character that has a moral code like that? <clears throat> and to see the negative the negative reaction to the Jean Paul Valley Batman, and when he, when Bruce finally came back, it was a big moment in in comic books for comic book fans. Um, and so I you know I've always felt like that was as much as any of these other stories, you know, uh, an iconic one. Because it, it was such a – it really asked some very interesting questions about the state and the relevance of Batman in in, to, in today's society. And so I thought – I've always loved that story for that reason. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you could maybe make the argument that it maybe dragged on a little too long, but like the point you said was great, especially the moment when Batman does take the mantle back. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything like that in this movie, but you kind of got that same feeling when he does finally come back as Batman. He's about to face off against Bane again. Yeah. And speaking of the, I guess, the final sequence of the movie, does I would have to say for me, out of all three of the Bat, Nolan Batman movies, this one probably had my favorite like finale action sequence out of the three. And I love the whole... I wish we saw a little more like the cops and the mercs, but the whole rematch between Bane and Batman was great, especially finally seeing Batman take down Bane. <laughs> For a change. Sort of. Yeah. yeah, we got him at the end. And yeah. Then, but there was Catwoman also, got him at the end. Well, if Talia... He was down. If Talia didn't interfere, Batman would have had him. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that. But even... I thought it was great even seeing Bane's frustration when Batman was beating him because you, you do like those big, like those fast punches into that pillar of the building and just started breaking it. <laughs> It's like just showing that his frustration that he couldn't take Batman down as easily this time. I was and great. he was swinging hard yeah. and fast too. Yeah, that was awesome. awesome. That didn't look like a movie fight. That looked like a guy who was just really pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, and I, I like how Bane has that line where he's like, he tells Batman, "I I thought I broke you," and then like Batman says uh, something like, "When I get this city back." You'll have my permission to die or something. Yeah, get it back Great line. Yeah, great line. But I, I think we should talk about Talia, or Miranda T and Talia. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, well, you know, Dane, as I even said the last podcast, that I was 99.9% sure that she was Talia. 
Okay, yeah, and I said that I, I don't think she is, but go on, Tim. Uh, it wasn't a huge shock to me. Pretty much right when they were in that uh, that court sequence with another great appearance by uh, Scarecrow, which is cool. He made all three movies. But uh, right when uh, Bane tells Talia or Miranda Tate, like he says, bring her to me or something like that, I knew right there, okay, yeah, she's Talia. Because <laughs> why would he just... Really? Yeah. Because I had... I mean, it, it totally slipped my mind. Everything totally slipped my mind at that moment when she stabs Batman in the back. I mean, it, especially when, like, a couple months ago, or maybe even, like, six months ago, the the little girl said that she played a young Talia. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and I thought that that was Bane. But now, I did think that, too. It, I did, because I remember them casting a little boy in the movie, too. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I remember reading that. So I assumed, too, that that was Bane as a little kid there. Yeah. And, I don't know, it, it was just a shock to me. And... I don't know, if you look at that girl, her lips are the same as Marion Cotillard's. <laughs> yeah, they did a good job, guys. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting, because, uh, like, the first time around, when they first showed her, and they were telling Bane, supposedly you were led to believe it was Bane's story, she, it looked like a boy. Yep. And then and then once it was revealed that it, that was Talia, then it looked totally like a girl to me. I don't know. It was It was like the same character, but... I was looking at it totally differently, and um, I th- yeah, I think I I I did expect her to be Talia. I mean, that was the rumor forever from day one when she was cast. I think when I really felt like she was Talia was when uh, you know they had their their night of relations together, and I was like, okay, that's that's Talia. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and so they slept together, guys. That's did what it, I meant. Did it- bother you guys at all? Or I shouldn't say bother, but that they didn't play up the story where she was in love with Bruce and Batman for real, and not just to get close to him to kill him because of what he did to Rage. I think there is the the comic book fan in me that, that did miss that, but I think there there have been so many changes already. Um, you know, from the you know from in the story. Well, I, actually, I think now looking back, that there are so many liberties taken, and that being a, a big one. That doesn't it doesn't really bother me. Just kind of accepted that this is this is Nolan's take on the character, and you know, would I have done it that way? Probably not. But I'm not hired by Warner Brothers to make those calls. So, uh, you know, if you know, it didn't it didn't bother me a yeah. whole a whole lot. Yeah, I agree um, with that too. I mean, it would have been nice, but it didn't take anything away from her yeah. character. Yeah, and and like the Catwoman thing or the Selena Kyle thing, I think it would have just slowed down the story a little bit. But um, most awkward death death scene ever. Most awkward, funny death scene ever. Uh, <laughs> Talia. It was, it was so funny because she's just talking and then she kind of jumps and then she closes her eyes. And she, yeah. <laughs> she looked very uncomfortable in that truck. <laughs> I would assume so. It's like it was like your neck snapped and like your, <laughs> she did not look comfy at all. Um, yeah. So. Another cool moment is going back to when Bruce was in the prison. The uh, I mean, I think we all kind of knew it was going to happen. The rumor leaked about Liam Neeson returning for a small part as Rachel Gould. Now, when he first appeared, did you guys think that that was just part of Bruce's imagination, him dreaming? Did you really think that was him when he said, I told you I was immortal? And then, like, when he said that, I got all excited. Like, yes, the dude with the Lazarus pit and all that. <laughs> but I'm not going to I lie. thought it was him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really. I thought that was him. 
Well, you thought what? You thought it was it? You you thought it was? Uh, yeah, I thought that was. I, I thought he had come back. I, th- I totally thought that was him. Um, yeah, I couldn't help but feel a little disappointed when you saw him starting to fade away. Like, no. <laughs> I was disappointed. I was like, no, yeah. no, no, he is immortal. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Oh well. But yeah, yeah I. Because I'm still after Batman Begins, I've always held that he's still alive. I never believed that he was dead. <laughs> I still have those. It's like in my head knowing that he has the Lazarus pit and all that. But yeah, but Bruce climbing up that um, that well was just epic. I, I mean, I don't have any other words for it. It was just epic with the music and everything. Yeah, that was a great moment. Yeah, and we got that the meaning behind the chant. Of, I mean, we always saw in the trailer that they it meant rise. But why they yeah. would say it, it does make perfect sense to why now. <laughs> yeah, they're chatting for Bruce, so technically I was right to him. Remember? Said that. Yeah. He <laughs> said, we're about three for three on rumor predictions. <laughs> yeah, three for three. I'll take that. But um, I mentioned earlier about this being my favorite finale sequence of all three movies. Is that is that way for you guys, or are there any... In terms of the the battle? Yeah, like the, or, the, yeah, the finale final battle or the ending, ending. No, the final like, climactic battle sequence of the film. How does it rank for the other two? Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, it's it's definitely the, it's it's on par with Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, Dark Knight was awesome, but it was really more about taking down the Joker in that moment. Yeah. And that and it just it didn't have the scale that this one had. This was this was all of Gotham, and um, and so I I definitely think it was it was the most epic that it could possibly be. How cool was it, too, that before the whole action sequence started where Bruce lights up uh, the, the big bat signal and flames in the building, letting him know that he's back? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I appreciate him taking the time to go up there and draw the bat signal and gasoline <laughs> up on the bridge. That was nice of him to do. That's the, that's the grand re-entrance I'm talking about. you got to make some a big splash like that. <laughs> there you go. Well, burning down a building. It was already burning. I, I, I know people are dying, but give me ten minutes to go draw my signal up in gasoline, really quick. Yeah, but um, going back to the fight, I, I, I like when um, you know DC Foley and all those guys are like, um, you know, about to go head to head with the Mercs, and then those tumblers pull up, and then the, the tumblers point their cannons at. I like the cops, and then the bat just flies in and just blows up all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> just thought that yeah. was funny. But, yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, great fight, especially the Bane stuff, and that it happened in the daytime. When yeah. have we seen Batman in the day that works? <laughs> yeah. This is this is two movies in a row, because a lot of The Dark Knight was during the day, too. You know, and... Yeah, um, um, I mean, the finale sequence was at night, but... You know, almost all of the Dark Knight Rises was during the day, um, and uh, Batman Begins was the only one that that uh, that really was pretty was mostly night based. Um, what I liked seeing in this one that I kind of missed in the Dark Knight um, was that Gotham felt like more of its own unique place, um, with the exception of Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. But other than that, mm-hmm. um, it it was its own place, and in, in the Dark Knight, it was just it was so Chicago, and it was like with landmarks that you're that are recognizable and the whole bit. Whereas in Batman Begins, Gotham really felt like its own place. The Narrows was like it's this own unique thing. It was 
this really poor slum of a of, of an area of town that was right in the middle of of uh, the heart of the city. Um, so Gotham felt unique, and it was its own character. Um, and so this one was a little bit more of a return to to that. You know, was having all the bridges all the way around and kind of isolating Gotham. I don't know if you guys felt that way too, but yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. I mean, I never really the whole Chicago thing never took me out of the Dark Knight or anything where I picked up on certain things, but I, I do agree this one felt like a more unique Gotham City than Dark Knight did. But also, too, um, one thing I noticed was a big upgrade. It was, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was the camera angles or just the choreography, but the fight sequences were a lot better to see, and you could kind of see more of what they were doing. Because I know a lot of like the first two movies, there was a lot of quick edits, quick shots of the fight sequences, and I think this one was a lot better. The choreography just... Maybe the daylight helped too, but you did see a lot more of the fighting. That looked yeah, really I cool. agree. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think especially with those Bane Batman fights, mm-hmm. where you you want to see every punch that gets thrown because it's just so awesome. And I, I was glad it wasn't you know a lot of just up close. In your, yeah. You know, so you're so close into the action that you can't even tell what's happening. Um, and that was done for effect in Batman Begins when he's taking down all the thugs at the dock. Yeah, that worked. You're, yeah. You can't, but it's, it, yeah, because it was, it was story-driven. It was like, this guy is just a creature of the night, and you don't even know what's happening, and all of a sudden he's just standing on a pile of, of bodies. You know, and so in this one, it was like, oh, you know, we've seen Bruce do that, so it was more for, um, we wanted to see those fights happen between him and Bane. Yeah, even the even though it was a little short, but when him and Catwoman teamed up in the beginning, taking down those mercs, I thought that was even, even for like a night sequence, you could see, it was a shot better, I think. You could see more of the moves that they were doing. I also liked too how he wouldn't let her use the gun, <laughs> displaying that whole motif of him not wanting to use guns, which I thought was great. And then coming, then coming back to play at the end where she takes out Bane with the bat pot. <laughs> yeah, he went flying like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing I was curious about how Bane was going to get taken out, and I wasn't expecting that. That's for sure. Well, especially after you just saw her shoot that same. Uh, rocket or whatever at that pile of cars. Yeah. And you saw what it did to those cars. And you're like, this is one guy taking one of those shots to the chest. <laughs> like, yeah, he's dead. Like, he's, he's all blown up for sure. And we didn't get a, oh, yeah, we did actually in the flashback in the sequence where it was revealed Talia was a child of him, his actual face before yes. he had the mask on. But I guess as Bane in a fight sequence, I was kind of expecting that Batman was going to rip it off him when he was about to. I thought that we were going to see him without it, but not so much. So, um, yeah, I guess as we kind of start wrapping it up, just is there anything – I want to talk about kind of like the pros and negatives, like your favorite sequences, any like your least favorite or something that you kind of wish was different. Like, So for you guys, what was your favorite sequence throughout the whole movie? Go ahead, Dean. I, I got to think about it for a second. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, my, for, oh, if you guys have to think about it, mine's an no-brainer. Just the whole Batman Bane fight number one, where he breaks him. It met all my expectations. I mean, I was the one the scene I was looking forward to the most, and it didn't disappoint. And actually seeing Bane break Batman's back like he did in Nightfall just topped it off for me as my favorite sequence. I mean, you don't want to see Batman get beaten up, but <laughs> it it just worked really well, and I loved it. Yeah, I, I well, not to just say the same thing as you, but that that was pretty awesome. Um, I, yeah, I'd have to say that was probably my favorite too. But just in the interest of coming up with something something different, um, seeing Bruce back in the in the new Batcave, um, yeah, was was awesome. That was a great reveal for me. Too. 
just, you know, to see how, how the Batcave had changed and it had been, uh, you know, kind of restructured and there's some new tricks and stuff in there now. Um, but to see them, that, that was one thing I really missed in the Dark Knight was, was Batcave. Um, yep. just as a, as a kid, uh, loving Batman, nothing captured my imagination more than being to go down into the Batcave and have all the cool gadgets and tricks and stuff. Um, and so I, I always loved that about the character that he had this like really perfect, you know, headquarters. And so seeing the Batcave back was, was pretty awesome for me. Yeah. And the only thing that probably would have made the Bane Batman fight seem was even better if it actually took place in the Batcave like Nightfall. <laughs> I mean, that was right, like hoping right, that yeah. might happen, but it didn't, but that just would have made it even better. So, okay, we'll make it a hybrid of, of our two favorite things, and, and you get the perfect scenario. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, Dane, you're up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I really like that. I mean, more than anything, I like that last, last scene that we got with John Blake. Mm-hmm. Uh Walking knee deep in that water, and then all of a sudden, the, the that that platform with the bat suit kind of raises up. Yeah. I just yeah. love that. That was and, great. And just and it just goes straight to black, and it's the credits. And I, I just love that. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, but other than that, um, now, real that quick, opening sequence. Oh, I'm sorry, Dane. <laughs> it did run, but it just came to my head when you say that. Um, you asked me I think yesterday if you thought. John Blake was going to be Batman or maybe some another here like Nightwing or Robin or something. Um, yeah. I wanted to get your guys' take on that too. What you think is actually going to happen to him? Is he Batman or is he going to be his own hero? I th- in 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 my opinion, in this in this universe, he he becomes Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that was the whole thing. I think that was what what John Blake bought bought into was the need for a Batman. Whether it's Bruce Wayne or not, Gotham needs a Batman. Gotham needs a symbol, and I think it was symbolic in you know showing that the bat signal had been replaced up on the top of Gotham Police Headquarters. Um, so they got a brand new bat signal. He's just been revealed that the, the bat cave is his. Um, I think I think John Blake gets it that Gotham needs a Batman. So this new character uh, becomes Batman, in my opinion. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm right with you, Cross, and it, especially the especially John Blake as a character, you know, just like Dick Grayson, the, the, the eternal optimist, always seeing the better parts of life, and I think he would make the perfect Batman. And, you know, I actually want to see his story and how that plays out. Unfortunately, we won't, probably, probably won't, but... Um, never say never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never say never, I guess. Right. Sorry, Dave, so what were you saying? I think you were going to mention your other favorite sequence in there before I interrupted. The, after you so rudely interrupted. <laughs> but, uh, the opening sequence with the planes and the turning the plane upside down and I just, I've never seen that before in any movie and I just thought that was awesome. Even though, you know, we've seen them, we've seen that in the, in the prologue, you know, what, six months ago or seven months ago. Yeah, it was a cool uh, sequence, but like you said, like it happens at the very beginning. You kind of forget about it afterwards because of all the other stuff that happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the bank heist in the beginning of uh, Dark Knight. You kind of forget about that. <laughs> yeah, in the in the building scene. But um, I also like all the humor in the, in this movie. 
like like yeah. when Catwoman and Batman are on the on the rooftop and Batman turns around yeah. and then Catwoman's guys like, Oh, that's what that feels like. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Catwoman, she you know, Anne Hathaway played her kind of sassy attitude so perfectly. I, I loved her take on yeah. Catwoman. So, um, any disappointments or like gripes that you guys have with it? That even if even if they're major or minor, is there anything you wanted to mention? Can I just add one one more positive to this? No, no more positives are done. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my only other positive is that um, this movie paid off in the end. It paid off. That's my only other positive. But um, <laughs> do I have any negatives? I mean, it's not great, but <laughs> then it ended. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, the, the the whole thing with Alfred and Alfred not being there, but I can see how it paid off in the end. Uh, like you said, Tim, the the stuff with Commissioner Gordon and how he was pretty much bedridden for the for half the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I wish I wish the the beginning part was sped up a little bit because it was kind of hard to get through, but. Other than that, I can't really think of anything. Uh, for me, for me, negatives. Uh, you know, just just minor. Um, but I, you know, I would I would have liked to have seen even. You know, I think I think the John Blake thing. I mean, I love John Blake as a character. I just really would have liked for him to have been Dick Grayson or some mention of of, of Richard Grayson or something along those lines. Um, to know that the story continues. And, uh, you know, and that, that character is part of, uh, the mythos that, that Christopher Nolan has set up. So I think it was a, there was a little bit of a disappointment for me is that that never, we never really got that. And there was, I mean, though there is the cute little nod to Robin, it's not Robin. And, and I, to me, you know, Robin is a part of a Batman story and he has an important place in, in the, in the mythology. And so I would have liked to have seen, even if we don't see it in Christopher Nolan's films, the suggestion that eventually it may go that route uh, would have been fun for me. But. Yeah, see, to me, I'm happy with what we got with that little mention of Robin because I was expecting nothing. Because if you read, like, in The Dark Knight, when it was in production, you heard interviews with Christian Bale and Chris Nolan. Like, Christian Bale said, if Robin's in a movie, I'm walking off set and all that stuff. Like, it's not like they really hated the character, but just the fact that we I, got I, a mention of him was, I thought, <laughs> more yeah. than I thought we would ever get from him. See, and I never get that because, you know, I... I, I just I, I feel like well, you don't do Robin because you haven't reinvented him yet for this world. You reinvent every other character, you know. I mean, Batman has been reinvented a million times. And you go forever um, for for decades. Batman was Adam West, and he was the silly, campy Batman, and he got reinvented and he went back to the roots of the character. You know, why can't you do that with Robin? Why can't you take uh, a younger character that, um, you know, is is a little edgier and darker and, you know, do, a, do something different with him that we haven't seen yet with that character. And yeah. it just surprised me that everybody kind of immediately, you know, relate, you know, when they think of Robin, they think of Burt Ward and, you know, Holy whatever. Yeah, it drives me so, crazy, too. All, the, all those people have to do is see the Batman Animated Series episode, Robin's Reckoning, and then <laughs> you'll see how great of a character and story, story arc he does have in his Robin's an important part of it. You yeah. Know? I mean, Robin is the, you know, he, he in many ways kind of saves Batman from, you know, the, the dark monster that he becomes. And uh, so I just would have liked to have seen some 
some mention that there there's a Robin somewhere in this in this world. So yeah. so when when and if the the reboot ever comes, I think that's I think that's the that's the story. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. Definitely. So um, I guess out of the next thing I wanted to ask you guys too, just I guess your favorite character or performance for the movie. I mean, besides the regular like Batman, for me, I think the most standout would probably be Anne Hathaway's Catwoman and. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as uh, John Blake. Uh, those two characters stood out for me as far as, I don't know, just being more interesting or just the performances and character arcs I like the best for both of them. I was a little iffy about the the uh, John Blake character, but then he told he totally won me over uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, it, it was so refreshing to see somebody in this universe, in this Nolan universe, be an optimist, you know, um, seeing the good in people and, you know, all, all of that stuff. And it, it, it was just so refreshing to see, um, to see somebody like that and to know that he's taking on, uh, or I want to say that we know for sure, but it's a pretty good bet that he's going to take on the, the cowl. It's a totally different Batman. It's, it's going to be a optimistic Batman, uh, Totally the opposite of Bruce Wayne, kind of like how Dick Grayson was to, um, kind of like how Dick Grayson was in the comics. So um, yeah, John Blake, uh, I didn't expect his character to, to be this important and this good uh, in the movie. And of course, Bane. I mean, Tom Hardy didn't have to say anything. He, he didn't have to do anything. He could have just stood there with his with his hands on on the collar of his of his best, like, like the Karate Kid uh, character or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I probably ruined it for you forever now. Yeah. You'll never watch the Karate Kid the same again, though. Yes. So all Batman had to do was do that stance at the end of the Karate Kid movie, how he wins that tournament with that kick. And he's done. <laughs> the crane kick. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah um, we'll save that for the, the Karate Kid podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, Tom Hardy just hit a home run with that character. He's scary, creepy, brutal, everything that Bane should be. Not like that idiot, uh, uh, Swenson? piece of meat <laughs> that that was in that hey, Batman way, and Robin movie. The way he delivered the line, bomb, bomb, was great. I mean, come on, don't knock him. Oscar worthy. Uh, so, just, I, you know, I, I don't know what more I can add than what you guys said, but just just to pick one, I, I would say John Blake. You know, even though, you know, he isn't my Robin, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, he was a great character and a, a great introduction, great new character for the Batman mythology. I would love to see where his story goes. Like I said before, I'd love to see, you know, a graphic novel or a comic book done, uh, you know, in, in that universe uh, with Nolan's blessing, of course, or something. Because um, I'm curious about where he goes from here, and I, if that doesn't happen, I, I think you're you're spot on, Dan, with your assessment of the kind of Batman that he would become. He's he's the he's Dick Grayson, he's Dick Grayson's Batman. I mean, Dick Grayson even became a cop for you know for a good period yeah. of time. Um, so definitely, you know, le, le, you know, again, going closer to that hybridization of uh, of all the Robins into one character. Um, but yeah, I think I think he he is the Dick Grayson Batman. He's not 
um, the brooding, uh, angst-driven character. But he does have a similar backstory. He's an orphan. Um, he he, but he, he understands the importance of of Batman. If you think back to that the story, you know, of um, when Dick Grayson became Batman, and the conversation he had with Alfred, saying, you know, I, I don't know if I'm up to it. I don't know if, if I'm capable of being the kind of Batman that Bruce was. And Alfred said, you're you're a performer. You're a <clears throat> this is a role that you need to play. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. <clears throat> but I think that's kind of, you know, in my mind, where the story goes from here, John Blake would probably, you know, he, he, he admires Batman. He loves him. Everything that he stood for, and he respects him, and he would probably feel like he's not worthy of that mantle at some point, and he would need Alfred to come in and say, you know, this is, a, this is more than you. This is more than Bruce Wayne. This is a symbol for Gotham that Gotham needs. And so you need to you need to carry on this mantle in that way. And so I, to me, that's where John Blake's story would would likely go. Who knows? But in my mind, that's what happens. But I think you'd be that kind of a Batman who understands the importance of it. Where you know, almost he, in many ways, I kind of feel like he's he's us in this movie. You know, the kind of person we'd all like to be. Um, and I think Alfred's largely been that character in the first two movies, and in this one, I felt like it was really John Blake. You know, us going. Batman's awesome, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love watching Batman do Batman stuff. And when Batman shows up, I want to cheer. And, you know, I felt like every time I saw John Blake, I'm like, oh, that's how I would feel if I lived in Gotham. Like, Batman's super cool. And and I would, you know, and then to, to discover the cave to, and to swing in there and <laughs> discover, it would just be like the... The coolest moment of your entire life. Yeah, definitely. And, and so I, I think we all kind of felt like we, a little bit of us was in John Blake. Yeah, it almost seemed like a wasted opportunity if they don't if we don't see that character again in some form of media, like you said, whether it's a comic series or something. Like if we will, I guarantee. It. I gar- <laughs> I I would bet my life that we that we have not seen the end of John Blake. It's like when Smallville ended, right? Yeah. I don't, you guys watch Smallville, but it's like yeah, I did. Oh, but look. But just as he becomes Superman, you're ending the move, the show. Like, the thing we all wanted to see, and now it's over. Like, well, boo, I want to see him do Superman stuff. So they come out with the comic book. It's like, whether you like the comic book or hate it, you know, whatever. It's not that great. Hey, maybe but, uh, the Batman in the Smallville universe is going to be John Blake instead of Bruce Wayne. So much. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it's just like, to me, it's like, that's that's the, the logical thing to happen. I've... You know, and I think I said on the last time we were on the show, I would love to see a comic book series, even, you know, where it's it's all set in this kind of realistic Nolan universe, you know, where, you know, it's a, whether it's a continuation or, you know, show us what happened during those eight years. You know, those kinds of things. Yeah. I think those, those would be fun. It's, it's along the lines of, like, Star Wars... Uh, it's like 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 Star Wars uh, Star Wars comics. Or, yeah, Star Wars or, EU stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's almost kind of like that. Yeah, the EU stuff that it's not necessarily canon because it's not in a movie, but it's fun for us to kind of read and see played out. And I think you know I, I think every fan is would love to see what happens with John Blake after after this movie. Yeah. So PC, if you're listening, take note. Yes, please. <laughs> we want to see more of John Blake. I would buy a graphic novel in, in, in a second if it was based on John, on John Blake. There you go. <laughs> so you, you got three sales already, right? Here. <laughs> Get Jeff Jones, you know, on the phone and say, "Here's the deal." 
forget about Batman Earth One. That was great, but that's nice. Thank you so much. But let's let's uh, let's keep Jeff Johns on the phone and think. Here's what we really want. Yeah, we want John Blake's right. Make the Nolan universe one of the 52 Earths or something, Earth 3 or something, <laughs> and then you can title it that. It's a no-brainer. It really is. Yeah. Because, you know, going back to what we've said, you know, along the line earlier on about, you know, what is your Batman? For so many people, this is going to be their Batman. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think you don't want to kill that. I think uh, keep it going. Yeah, definitely. So, uh before I guess we give our final score of the movie, just one thing I'm curious to ask you guys: now that the trilogy is complete, is there any one character or maybe story point that has become your definitive take on that particular character than anything else? Because for me, I have two of them that have become like the way I like to view the character of his story and how I think it should be carried on. But I'm curious to see what you guys think. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I totally understand your question. So go ahead and say what you're going to say. Like my then. favorite interpretation of a particular Batman character okay. is now from this trilogy than, like, say, from the animated series or the comics. And for me, I have two of them. First one being Two-Face. Just I think that what they did with Harvey Dent was so much better than anything that came before him. And just how his origin played out, how the Joker was tied to it, and then just his motivations for using the coin is how, even though he did die in the in the second movie, I just thought his character arc and his portrayal and character characterization of the character Two Face was just perfect. And then I would probably have to say with this movie, Catwoman just edges out the animated series version because that's always been my favorite too. But Anne Hathaway, I think, just knocked it out of the park. And that's like those two characters are now my definitive takes on Catwoman and Two Face and the whole, I guess, Batman universe from comics, TV, movies, everything. But still, the characters like Joker, Batman, as great as Heath Ledger and Christian Bale did, and just the Kevin Conroy, and Mark Hamill, they're always going to be my favorites. <laughs> and just how they were interpreted in that show is always going to be hard to beat for me. But <laughs> um, uh, go ahead, Dan. Okay. Uh, for me, it's it's probably Alfred. Mm, good choice. Because good call. he's yeah. he's not just. Okay, here's your food, here's your tea, here's your coffee. He's he's um you know, a, a father figure. He's he gives Bruce fatherly advice, you know, especially in this movie where um you know, Alfred outright tells him that he can't be Bat Bruce can't be Batman anymore. He's not the man he used to be. And it ends up it ends up costing Alfred, his relationship with Bruce, and um, if you're going to tell somebody that and risk losing the friendship, then you obviously love the person, and, you know, it, it it's just so much more than, I mean, Michael Caine's interpretation of that character is so much more than uh, what we've seen in the, in the comics, even. I mean, we've seen certain aspects of that, but for the most part, it's, you know, here, let me let me iron off your bat suit. Let me uh, get you some. Let me get you a sandwich. It's it, it's not so much of a fatherly relationship. Yeah, it's just funny because every time all those things you're mentioning about that, just everything that happened to like Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, white yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, the only other one that comes to mind is um, Gordon, of course. Yeah, because he. he 
more than anything, in these three movies, he has a more pronounced um, presence. In these movies, even more than the comics for, for some runs and some titles. And, of course, more than the the, the Burton movies. Uh, and the, the Schumachers, of course. So, yeah, uh, Gordon. Uh, those are my two. Oh, those are those are both awesome choices. I, I I totally agree with everything you just said. Yeah, they they owned it. They they made those characters so real, <clears throat> and they were they were fantastic. Um, just to to add to that, I I, I would say uh, surprisingly the Joker. You know, and I I never thought that uh, to me when I Jack Nicholson was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. You know, as as a twelve year old me. Um, and Mark Hamill's Joker is so iconic, but it's so weird when I when I read comics now, I can't help but hear Heath Ledger's voice all of a sudden, and it's it's it is he was just so captivating in that role, and every frame that he was on the screen in The Dark Knight, I was 100% engaged. Um, I think you know no one really did. Um, I think for a lot of his characters, for Two Face, for Alfred for Gordon, I think almost all of them are, are very much kind of you know kind of definitive takes where they they stick in your brain and you can't help but um but think of them. I the only character that for me that this isn't my definitive version is Batman, ironically enough. Um, um, only because I, and and it's mostly because of this last film. Um, up to this point, totally on board. Um, the things I have a hard time with are are eight years of him not being Batman and then him walking away from it and, you know, settling down with Selena Kyle. Um, those are great for the story and great conclusions, but in my mind, that's not how, how uh, Batman's story plays out. Um, so I think that Batman's the only one that this isn't the definitive version of for me. Um, uh, yeah, the, actually, yeah, because I, I just think all the, all the characters were so, so iconic in and of themselves. Um, but he just did such an amazing job. But yeah, the Joker stands out. Cool, nice. I mean, I think we could just do like a long podcast discussion on just like picking all the different forms of media Batman and his characters have appeared in and just pick for each character which one is our favorite. That'd probably be an interesting topic. <laughs> of course, mine's probably all going to be animated series, but <laughs> I might find a few other ones. <laughs> The scene I gravitate towards, like Batman '89. I think it's 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 like you know the animated series is what it hits you. It hits you at the right time of yeah. your life. You're like, this is my Batman, and that's what Batman '89 was for me. It was like this this is mine. Like I own this, and I'm and I you know it was the pivotal point in your life when uh, how much of your childhood you know are you going to carry on uh, into the rest of your life and kind of those early, you know, pre-teenage years, I think, are, are really uh, those formative years. And uh, the first adult Batman I'd ever seen was Batman 89. And it was like, oh, Batman's not silly. Batman's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. And he has a sweet cave and a Batmobile that, I mean, when he, when he comes, and Batman 89, when he comes running out of the museum with Vicki Vale and says, get in the car, and she says, which one? And you get that first shot of the Batmobile, I'm sorry, that was like one of the best moments in history <laughs> for me. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And just driving into the Batcave, and it, it was it was everything that I wanted Batman to be. So that's still my definitive Batman. But, uh, 
but this trilogy is amazing. It's it's so epic and so iconic and so um, amazing. I you know it, it's fantastic. But I I don't think it's the end. I think it's it's just it's one it's one take. But I think there are more to be told. More stories to be told. But Cross, going back to yeah. the ending and how Bruce and Selena are kind of together and Bruce gave up the call and stuff. Did you at least mm-hmm. think it was interesting or? Oh it, no no yeah yeah I didn't yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I didn't hate it. I I just yeah. it, it's, it's not just, your it's not how I I end Bruce's story because then I go yeah. it, to me it raises more questions. You go yeah. you know like we said, I don't want to rehash all the same stuff I said before, but uh-huh. you know he's still Bruce Wayne and he's supposed to be dead and yeah. eventually he's going to get noticed and he's still Bruce Wayne whose parents were murdered in front of his eyes. He still has that anger embedded in him. And so I, I don't feel like it's the end of Bruce's story, even though it is the end of this Bruce story. So it was it was great. It was a nice button on the end of end of the film, but it just it yeah. wasn't my. It would, if, if I were telling the story, that's not where I see Bruce going. So you you don't think he overcame all that stuff? You, no, you I don't. Think he's still no. stuck. Yeah, um, no, I think I I think he's always stuck. I don't I don't. In my mind, he doesn't ever overcome this. He doesn't ever overcome the anger and the the pain of seeing his parents murdered in front of his eyes. That's what defines him. That's his whole thing. And uh, and I, I was a little bit scared when I, you know, when when Batman and Robin and was rolling around, and I'd heard an interview with Joel Schumacher, and and it was the first moment where I went, uh oh, this this could not be good, because he said. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about his take on Bruce Wayne and he said, well, Bruce Wayne is 36 years old now and he's kind of come to grips with the fact that his parents are dead and he's a, he's a more lighthearted Batman. And I went, uh, <laughs> this could not end well because if he's kind of come to grips with his parents, then the, his whole motivation for being who he is is over. Then he's not Batman yeah. anymore. And that's what drives him, and it, it, it's that it, he carries that pain around with him forever. And so I, I don't know if that there is a happy ending for Bruce Wayne in, yeah. my, my, in my mind. Yeah, I agree with that. And something that I felt was always missing from this trilogy and even the previous Batman movies as, well, as to why he could eventually stop being Batman was because we'd never seen him in, in these movies make that promise to his parents' grave after the day, saying, I will, will dedicate my life to waging war on a crime and making sure what happened to me never happens to everybody else. That was never his right. motivation for this movie. And so they can, you can't kind of see, since he, that wasn't part of him, you can't see why he maybe will hang it up eventually because he never did make that promise. Which is one gripe I've always had with the Nolan trilogy was that that wasn't his motivation for being Batman, which is one of my favorite aspects of the character was the fact that he made that promise. So, yeah. so I'm pretty much by myself in, that, in thinking that... <laughs> Bruce got over all that stuff. <laughs> but, and, but, and you know yeah, that's it, fine. You know, you're you're everyone's entitled to their yeah. to their take. You know, and, and it's like we've said all through this whole podcast is that you know Batman is is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, yeah. my my dad's Batman. You know, when I talk to him, it's it will always be Adam West, and it doesn't matter who comes along. His bat, that's his Batman, and that was his Batman when he was a kid, and so that's yeah. how he always sees the character. And so, and for and for so many people, this is going to be their Batman, and that Batman will 
eventually hang it out. And he does come to grips with it and, and settles down with Selena Kyle. You know, and yeah. then there are others of us who, and this is kind of where I fall, is that Batman's, uh, his wage on war is eternal. And he, he's the one character who doesn't get a happy ending. It, it, yeah. it doesn't end good for him. You know, it, but it, 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 it ends with him giving his life, really, to, to the yeah. cause. Just one more question. I mean, th- this is where I'm coming from. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, his Bruce's ability to pass on the mantle makes the character, and, and to move on with his life, uh, makes the character stronger. Make, makes for a stronger character. Makes for a stronger Bruce Wayne character? Yeah. Uh, personally. It makes him a more well-rounded character. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think it, 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 it's probably a more realistic take, you know, cause I mean, yeah. most people, most people, um, will eventually come to grips with life and move on. You know, I mean, time heals all wounds. But to me, yeah. Batman, Batman's not most people. And he's, this is his, this is his, burden that he carries around forever it's what drove him to become this guy and he can never shake it yeah that's why I think that's this, just me that's why i think this ending is a perfect way to end the no one's trilogy because his batman is a little different from the one that you and me prefer across because while we may prefer that batman to be everlasting where he's always going to have that mission you know that's what drives yeah. him that's who he is and even though that's our favorite this one works perfectly for the story no one was trying to tell which is why i think it ended in a great way, so. Yeah, no, it did, yeah. and I think it, it it is a it's a good button to have, and it's it's an interesting notion that he does find happiness in his life, and that's a, that's one great approach. Yep. Um, on the other hand, you know, he you could be that he dies, and he dies, and he dies fighting the war, right? And the reason the Batman symbol carries on is because you get somebody like a John Blake or a Dick Grayson or whoever else and realizes that Gotham needs Batman, whether it's Bruce Wayne or not. But I don't know if that should be Bruce's decision to make. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm always under the feeling, yeah, it should be Bruce's decision. <laughs> but it should be, but I don't know that he would ever give it up. Yeah. Like, he'd go, okay, I'm done, and now here you go, you're now Batman. Like, yeah, Batman is who he is. Yeah, because that's him. This is that one Batman animated series episode. The episode wasn't that great, but it was where, like, Poison Ivy creates these plant people, and she makes one of them to marry, who actually marries Bruce, and he does marry her. But then Dick goes, how long do you think it'll last? Like, six months. He's all, what, the marriage is all, no, how long, like, till he puts on the costume again? Because even though he says he's giving it up, he knows eventually he is going to go back to being Batman eventually. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's just, you know. So, yeah, I mean, to each his own game, it, it, it's, it, I think everybody has their has their opinion. I think that's what makes this character great is that there are so many there's so many you know interpretations of of what that story is, and it makes yeah. it appealing to all generations. You know, and, and characters like that endure for that reason. You know. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I, I, I guess you misunderstood me, Cross. I, I, I'm saying that you're wrong and I'm right. Both, both <laughs> of you guys are wrong. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, well, I guess the time has come to, I guess, give our... And we're going to end it on that? No, we're going to give our official score. We're going to end it with Dane saying, you're wrong, you're wrong and I'm right. 
the yeah. end. He'll say that when we give our scores. He'll say his is the only one that matters. Yeah. Ours are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. gotcha. I'm just kidding. It's all good. Okay, so I guess we'll go ahead and give our final scores for The Dark Knight Rises. And since we always have a scoring scale for each different show, this one, we're going to do Alfred Cried scenes in The Dark Knight Rises. Cause there were a few of them, and all of them were great, showing his emotion to the love that he had for Bruce and the Wayne family, which is great. So that's how we're going to honor those scenes by using it as our scale for this episode. So, Dane, go first. Yes, I, I give The Dark Knight Rises five Alfred Crying scenes out of five. Big surprise, right? <laughs> I didn't mean, I mean, five for you when we were talking about it. But. All right, Graz. Uh Wow, okay. Um I guess uh, if, if I ask, since, since we already said that there was a there was a, a an order here uh, of the films like this, I guess uh, I guess I'd have to give it a three, um, three upward crying scenes out of five, only because I'd have to put Batman Begins somewhere higher than that and Dark Knight somewhere higher than that. So I guess uh, it'd be Dark Knight five and Batman Begins four upward crying scenes. I don't know. Does that even, does that even work? It's it's really a four. I I didn't. Three doesn't sound good enough to me. So I'll give it a four. Four Alfred crying scenes out of five. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I'm going to give it a four Alfred crying scenes out of five. I mean, kind of what you were saying, too, about Dark Knight and Batman Begins. Right now, Batman Begins is still above it. I'd probably give Batman Begins maybe like a four and a half, where Dark Knight go. gets a five. So, I mean, it may change maybe after I see it a few more times and it may surpass Batman Begins. But, but the few problems that I mentioned earlier... I don't think it's it's not going to surpass The Dark Knight for me anytime. That's just to me right now one of the the perfect Batman live action movies. So that's still going to be the top. Agreed. Cool. All right. So I guess that's going to wrap up our Dark Knight Rises review special episode. And but before we go, um, as great as it was talking about Dark Knight Rises and to finally see it this weekend, uh, we just also want to mention that um, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the families and victims involved in the terrible tragedy tragedy in Colorado that happened. I mean, you wouldn't expect something like that to happen, but unfortunately it does, and just our thoughts go out to all the victims for the tragedy. So, Definitely. Yeah. So uh, with that, um, we'll just go ahead and close out. You can check us out at the Batman Universe main site at www.thebatmanuniverse.net, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, and also on Twitter with the Twitter handle at uh, batmanuniverse. And also you can find our podcast as well as many other Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes where you can subscribe and review and rate us, leave comments, let us know what you think. And uh, also you can sign up for the forums on the Batman Universe. Just uh, sign up and then send an email to the Batman Universe uh, just to kind of get your registration on there so we don't get any spam in the form. So just to keep everything nice and clean in there. So um, with that, that's going to wrap it up. So... Thanks, Dane, for coming on talking to Dark Knight Rises. We've been waiting for it for a long time, so it was great to finally do that. Yep, finally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thanks, Cross, for coming on this episode. It was great talking to you about it. And um, you can go ahead and just let everyone know, I guess, where they can find you at. I know you have a podcast, too. Uh, yep. No, thank, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. It's, it's always fun to, uh, to hang out and talk about Batman. Uh, you know, it's a lot of fun for me to, to just focus on that one topic. Um, if any of you listeners thought anything that I said was remotely interesting, uh, I go ahead and go over to uh, the Josh and Cross show at joshandcross.com. 
or you can follow us on at Josh and Cross, where me and a couple of buddies of mine from Disney, where we talk about uh, all things kind of pop culture related, Batman and Avengers and whatever, uh, and Taco Bell, whatever you know seems interesting at the time. Then um, we have a lot of pop culture, a lot of pop culture goodness, Comic Con, things like that. So uh, go ahead and give us a listen, and uh, we'd appreciate it. But uh, I always enjoy coming on the show and talking Batman with you guys. A lot of fun. Cool, yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. It's always great to have you on, Cross. You're always a good guy, man. So that's going to do it. So long, everybody. Go see The Dark Knight Rises ten more times, too. (laughs) There you go. I can still miss her skin on mine. Yeah, that was a secret I'll see with me soon,